G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. A conversation this hour, something to do with the sort of strategy that you might need personally to be able to reach out to someone in your community with this message of the gospel that as a Christian you are a carrier of. And we might even talk too about strategies for reaching the whole world. And no one better to talk about these types of topics than Tony McLennan. Tony is the CEO of the Bible League, 25 years as a senior executive uh, with corporations and non-profits in Australia and overseas, a former army officer and a man who is overflowing with passion for the gospel. And Tony joining us now. Hello, Tony McLennan. Let's talk about the Bible League. The Bible League's been going, uh, oh, it's quite a long time now. Uh, in Australia, you are the CEO. It's part of a global network of Bible Leagues around the world. Yes, that's right. I, I look after Australia and New Zealand, Neil, and uh, we operate in around about 60 countries worldwide. Countries are the most likely to need the Bible the most, and that not only covers the 1040 window, but of course, a lot of African countries, Asian countries, South American countries. We have six regions that, forward, that uh, service that. Okay. Now, when we talk about these sorts of countries that you're providing the Bible into, uh, there is, in some sense, uh, what's called a famine of the Bible. There isn't the same level of... I mean, here in Australia, we take it for granted. We can go and buy a Bible off the bookshelf any old time we want. Uh, Some of us have got lots of Bibles on the bookshelf. We're downloading Bibles onto our uh, mobile devices, all sorts of things like that. But there are nations of the world where there is persecution of Christians, where the Bible is a rarity. Well, that's right. I remember hearing on the news this morning that some people in Iran got locked up for actually having a prayer meeting at their home. The the reality is that... uh, that having a Bible in an accessible language or an accessible Bible in a ready-to-understand language in uh, many of these countries uh, is a far cry for a lot of people. You know, I'm talking about Ethiopia, Somalia, Senegal, Liberia, uh, Madagascar. And there are whole regions of the earth that uh, have just not been penetrated by the gospel at all. If I go back to Madagascar, for example, there are 15,000 villages in the hinterland of Madagascar and they approximately have a population of 7 million, one-third of the entire nation of Madagascar, and you can only access them by four-wheel drive or helicopter. And those, those villages aren't even on the map. But there's such a huge population there to, in total darkness, uh, no access to the scriptures at all. And so Bible League is doing something about that. Well, Tony, I want to be able to talk about a global perspective today, but also shrinking that down to local communities where people listening to our conversation over this next hour are at in their local communities and how to have a, a local community vision, but also to be mindful that there is a global community uh, that is in need of the scriptures and this message of the gospel uh, in an incredibly huge 
huge way. Uh, Tony, let me just ask you uh, your reflections on Christianity in Australia. Now, you've been already mentioning places like Madagascar, some of the toughest places around the world where Bibles are a rarity, where the Christian faith is far from people's thinking and they haven't heard the gospel in a way that they can respond to it. Uh, When you reflect on Australian society, what's your assessment of Australia? Well, uh, you know, the figures are well known, Neil, that uh, the latest census, 2011, revealed that something like about 61% of the Australian population consider themselves Christian. So that's uh, a big number, 39% that don't consider themselves Christians, and that's down from the previous census, where I think the figure was up in the 80% mark. And so there's been a tremendous erosion of belief in Australia through the incursion of secular humanism, uh, the sexual revolution, and, of course, socialism uh, has fueled to a certain extent, secular humanism. And those, those three elements have been real incursions, vehicles of the devil, you might say, uh, to dampen people's faith or see, see no relevance in, in religion at all. In fact, uh, Roy Williams recently wrote a book on um, the post-God nation. You might have heard me refer to it. And in that book, he talks about why religion has gone off the radar in Australia and what to do about it. Now, there are many aspects of the book where he's actually recounting the solid historical reality of Christianity in Australia and the strong contribution it made. But uh, what, what he does have some, some things I wouldn't agree with in the book, but uh, basically his comments are quite sound in terms of actually assessing where Australia was and where we are today. And there's a particular reason why that is the case. So he comes from those historical perspectives where he's able to go right back to the First Fleet and uh, through the 19th century and describing things of the 20th century and has quite an amazing insight into spirituality in Australia. When you reflect on things as they are today, and you mentioned uh, things like the rise of secular humanism, you mentioned uh, the sexual revolution, uh, the challenges that there are people not putting uh, I'm a Christian on the census, and so the numbers seem to be going down. Uh, But when you think of the way that Australia is today, how passionate are you about alerting people that it's time to heed the warning, to not be a sleeper, to to be prepared when it comes to this message of the gospel? Yes, well, look, I I think there have been plenty of people calling attention to the problem out there for quite some time. Uh, What we at Bible League want to do and are doing is we want to actually be part of the solution. And that means that people need to be involved more and more in actually presenting the gospel to others. And that's one of the core strategies we're involved in worldwide. And it's one that I think people can get readily on board with here in Australia and in New Zealand as well, where we have uh, an involvement. Now, when I talk about presenting the gospel, everywhere I go throughout Australia, I've discovered pastors are constantly saying, how can we help our people become more effective at bringing others to Jesus, or or becoming soul winners. In fact, the word soul winner, there must have been a ban on the word, I think, uh, Neil. I know, Uh, dating back to the, that's right, the 70s, the 80s, even the 90s, uh, soul winner was very popular in church life. Uh, You don't hear it as often these days. That's right. Now, there are noble efforts that are being made uh, to provide inquiry bases, sort of like a welcome mat back into the church through such courses as the Alpha Course, or Introducing God, or... Christianity Explained and so forth, uh, they're quite noble, but they're, they're based on the fact that people are sort of warmed up to the idea of actually even approaching a church or some sort of group. And not all the outcomes from people attending that end up the person becoming a, a card-carrying member of a local church either. 
but what we find is if people know the gospel and can share the gospel in a way that's compassionate, uh, timely, and compelling and clear, then people will respond because the Holy Spirit, uh, God says in, uh, in his word in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12, that God watches over his word to perform it. So when we speak God's word into people's lives, uh, we can see some amazing transformation. This has certainly been my experience for, especially since 1994 up to the present time. Tony, I suspect there's a sense of timidity in people when it comes to the gospel. This holding back, uh, this, uh, you know, will I offend someone? Will I trample on some toes if I start to talk about Jesus, if I start to talk about salvation? Uh, What are your thoughts on the ways that you might address and overcome this idea of being timid as a Christian? Well, there are, I used to be a management consultant working in leadership development in corporations, and we found that there are only three reasons people fail at anything. And number one reason is they don't know what the job is. The second reason is they don't know how to do the job. And the third reason is that someone or something interferes with their desire or their ability to perform the job. Now, in a lot of cases, uh, in the first instance, Christians need to learn that that's part of their job, to share the gospel. The very first words of Jesus in Matthew 4.19 to his disciples, as recorded by Matthew, are, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So that was number, that was top draw in Jesus' mind when he actually called his disciples. Uh, everyone focuses on Matthew 28.19, go ye therefore and make disciples. But the first step was to be fishers of men. So number one, we need to know that that's what the job is. Then the second thing is how to do the job. How to do the job It's all about uh, having a a right understanding and an ability to deliver the message of salvation. And we've made that quite easy for people, Neil. We've actually produced a a beautiful little presentation uh, that we had some help from Business Life Publications on and Bible League has adopted it in all of our church engagements. In order to meet that cry from pastors, how do we get our people to become more effective as soul winners, we're actually taking people through the way of life which is a tremendously cogent and attractive way of presenting the gospel. Uh, you've actually seen it. Uh, you've seen one of our earlier editions. We've upgraded it. We're always upgrading it. We don't upgrade the gospel, of course, Neil, but we upgrade some aspects of the presentation. Right. And so that can make clear to people how to present the gospel. How do we get into a conversation about the good news of Jesus in the first place? How do we begin that conversation? And we, we have it all so that people can download it onto an iPhone or a smartphone, and there's even a hard copy version, which we call the touch of his hand, that people can use. Uh, those things are available, and people can self-instruct on those. And so that, perhaps we'll talk about it later, how people can get hold of that from Bible League, if that's their desire. But I've just been over to a wonderful church, Heart City uh, Christian Church over in Perth, and Grace Christian Reformed Church in Perth just, just, just last week and uh, Woodvale Baptist Church. And people were, were hanging out for copies of this, so we sent off a whole lot of emails with the PDF attached so that they could download it onto their iPhone. And it's, a, it's a, a beautiful presentation, and it's a non-condemnatory presentation. That, well, what I mean by that is that it's not the sort of thing that tells the person, well, did you ever tell a lie? Well, now you're a liar. Or did you ever steal? Now you're a thief. You know, it, it doesn't go into that sort of thing because people self-discover with the Holy Spirit's help that they are, in fact, sinners. Okay, let's not wait to let listeners know how they can get a hold of this because this is a free download. This, right. uh, this, uh, it's called The Way of Life. 
Yes. Now, just describe what the way of life actually does, and then I'll, I'll tell people how they can get a hold of it right now. Well, it's a very simple presentation of the gospel to help people who engage people uh, in a conversation that leads to the discovery of how Christ is relevant in their lives, and it culminates with a prayer uh, of salvation and then has an immediate follow-up section uh, after that. And it's a series of, it's like a PowerPoint, which is done in a PDF form. And we can send that. It's not a download. It's something that they just send it to info at bl.org.au, info at bl.org.au. If they send a request for the way of life, it's a presentation of the gospel. We will send that to them immediately. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you. Tony McLennan, the CEO of the Bible League, our guest this hour. Your thoughts on whether you need a strategy to reach out to your community or do you just sit back and hope it'll all happen on its own? 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to be part of our conversation. Tony McLennan from the Bible League is with us. Tony, you mentioned a strategy plan in our last segment there when we said uh, you have to work out what the job is that has to be done as a Christian. Then you've got to work out how do you do the job. Uh, Your third point in that strategy of just identifying what you've got to do is actually uh, what I've uh, I've called the interference factor. How did you you say that? Uh, What's interfering? Someone or something interferes with uh, the individual's desire or ability to do the job. So desire is the level of commitment or drive Ability is the level of competence, you see. So if a person doesn't feel competent to do a job, then he will naturally feel a certain degree of uncertainty, fear, and so forth. And that's simply because he hasn't been properly trained to do the job. Okay, well, if we talk about these three points, and let's generalise, and you travel a lot, you're talking to leaders everywhere around the nation and travelling around the world as well, but uh, when you think of Australia, uh, do you think that Christian believers in Australia know what the job is? Do you think they know how to do the job, and do you think they know how to meet the interference factor that comes in uh, on this uh, competency and, and on this calling to actually pursue it? Generally not. Generally, it's quite rare to find people who are active and effective soul winners. And some people will hide behind the idea oh, only 10% of the, of, the, of the congregation are really soul winners or really evangelists in any congregation. I think that was a figure that was brought up by Dr. D. James Kennedy, who originally espoused the, the Evangelism Explosion series, which is an excellent series, by the way, but very, very detailed and very involved. Uh, Tony, the interesting thing is uh, you can't do it on your own. You have to do it in a group. And there is a sense, isn't there, in which uh, the way that church life works is that leaders uh, work with people who are followers and raising up new leaders to be able to take this great commission to the world, to win souls, as we are talking about that, uh, that idea of a soul winner. Uh, We're talking about the job, the size of it, what has to be done, how to do the job. Let's come back to what we were talking about before we got cut off before, this interference factor. How important is it to be able to address that? Well, it's very important. People must know clearly what to say and how to engage in what some people refer to as a faith-based conversation. I call it a gospel-based conversation. And they need to have the intent that they want to bring others to meet their very, very best friend, Jesus. Uh, you know, it's a, I think Billy Graham made a statement that, that uh, really effective soul winners having a, 
a good long look at Jesus and then telling the world what you've seen. So one of the other ways of addressing the, the concerns or even fears or the timidity that people may have is to really draw close to the Lord. In Mark chapter 3, it says, number one, that people uh, who are called by Jesus, uh, and that ca covers all Christians, uh, were to be with him. That was the number one thing that says that he called them that they might be with him. And then he would send him out to preach and he would give them authority over all the works of the enemy. They could cast out devils. So those are the three things that are mentioned in Mark chapter 3. And what I'm saying is that the first step is to be with Jesus. And being with Jesus means that we capture his heart. Uh, the Holy Spirit will affect us to be much more alert to opportunities to speak to people. If I can uh, give you a case in point, I was travelling on a plane uh, from uh, Brisbane a little while ago and uh, uh, I was sitting in seat uh, 12A, a gentleman sitting on the aisle seat 12C, and I just simply started out with the way of life presentation, uh, and I said to him, look, if you ever... I didn't actually show him the presentation, I just used some of the images, I remember them in my mind, and I said, have you ever wondered what is the point of life? And he said, uh, oh, there's, there's no point to life, it's meaningless. And I thought, this is not a promising start. And uh, he then said, uh, I then said, well, what do you think happens when people die? He says, well, it gets cold and dark for a long time. And so my next question, straight off the presentation, was that, well, that's interesting. How do you know that that's the truth? Do you believe it's possible that there's a God and that there's a heaven and a hell and somehow we're meant to relate to God? He says, oh, my wife's a little bit religious, but as for me, I'm a, I was brought up in a communist country and I'm an atheist. He was a very educated man. He had a PhD, as I was later to discover. So at that time I said, look, I've got this little presentation uh, on my iPhone. I'd just like you to evaluate. Now notice those words, Neil, evaluate. Yep. I'm not pushing something on him. He's actually inspecting it for himself. Sure. So I then just, with the flick of the finger across the screen, I open up the question, uh, do you believe it's possible for a person to go to heaven when they die? He said, I don't even believe that there is a heaven. So you can see this is a very unpromising case, is it not? Mm. And then the next question is, uh, well, uh, if, if you were to die tonight and stand before God in heaven and he were to say to you his name, I'll call his name Alan, Alan, why should I let you into heaven? Uh, what would your answer be? He says, I'd be very surprised to be having a conversation like that, at which time my training would interposed and I said, well, you, wouldn't, you want to hear what most people say. He said, well, what do most people say? Most people say, I've tried to do my best. And so he started straight into that very naturally, very easily, straight into the presentation. And as we went on in the presentation, it came to a point where I was talking about how Jesus removes the barrier of sin away from a person's life. And this man said to me, how do I become involved in this? How do I get into this? And uh, I said, look, uh, it's simply a matter of, well, let me put the question to you, Alan. Uh, do you believe that Jesus died for you? And this atheist communist said to me, I do. And I said, do you want to receive God's gift of eternal life? He said, I do very much. And so I immediately turned to the prayer. We went through the prayer together. We actually joined hands and prayed. He bowed his hair and head in the, in, the, in the plane, not in the church, in the plane, and prayed and invited Jesus into his life. And he accepted Christ. And I sent him from, from my iPhone a copy of that by email, followed him up, I visited him in, in uh, Brisbane next time I was up there, and I actually put him in charge of a navigator friend of mine who's looked after him ever since, and he's been going along to Bible studies, and God's really taken over in his life. So I'm just saying that people need to know how to do that presentation. It takes away a lot of the fear. It gives them a confidence that they're leading a person the right way. There's a certain language involved, uh, but that's not hard to get into because it's all done for them on screen. 
I like what you guys do at the Bible League, Tony, because it's not just about a distribution of a Bible in a mechanical way, but you want to be able to teach people how to use the Bible, how to take people to those scriptures that will actually connect them with God, that will remind them of the idea that we're sinners and that salvation is ours through Jesus Christ. Let me ask you about one of those aspects that you do in connecting people, Project Philip. Uh, What is Project Philip? Because it's been very successful for you. Well, it has indeed and continues to be. Bible League's been going for 75 years, 43 years in this country, and about the same length of time in New Zealand. And, uh, of course, New Zealand and Australia do a lot of promotion of overseas work. Most of our work, probably about 95% of it goes overseas, but we have a strong presence here in Australia and New Zealand as well. But where we get an understanding of this is that you'll remember the story of Philip when he was sent down to Gaza, a place that's been in the news a lot over the last few years, uh, he was sent there and, he, and God arranged for him to meet a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. Now, this fellow had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship and he's returning to Ethiopia, sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And you remember how uh, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. And so Philip ran to it, heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone teaches me? How can I unless I have a man to teach me? So when we're giving out Bibles, giving out a Bible can be actually um, quite a fruitless task unless we engage people with the Bible. So the key to our work is engaging people with Bibles. So uh, what we do uh, broadly across the world is we introduce people to the Bible by going through a Gospel of John five lessons during that time inevitably people if they stick with the five lessons will come to christ thereupon they receive a full bible and we take them through 20 lessons on reaching towards the goal which is really walking with jesus now this is also present and built into the prison bible i might add uh, neil so it's it's got a built-in project philip format and i think you would have one of those as well we have but, a bunch of those around here yeah i thought, <laughs> I thought so and um so, so there are 25 lessons. You have to agree, Neil, that 25 lessons are not a flash-in-the-pan casual glance at the Bible, is it? No, and, and this, is, this is a very important point, I think, that, uh, that we need to talk about, is that just knowing how to, uh, uh, knowing how to share your faith with another and uh, bringing a person through to an understanding of that salvation message isn't just a two-minute job. This is something that, uh, that, as you say, it takes a little bit more sophistication. Well, it can, but bear in mind that uh, those key words of Jesus... Uh, where he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. See, he does the making of us as fishers of men. So there have been occasions when uh, I couldn't get into a presentation of the gospel at all and just uh, one guy said to me, I'm going my own way. And I said, well, there's a way that seems right to a man, quoting from Proverbs 14, uh, but that way leads to death. And he just went bar and sort of ignored my comment. But later on, God used that scripture, that very scripture, to, to convict him of his sin. And God spoke to his heart and he said, Alan, you're going the wrong way. It's a different fellow than we spoke about earlier. And on that, the conviction of the Holy Spirit set in and he gave his life to Christ. So uh, we, we might have a valiant plan to go through with people, but we may not actually get through in a fully sophisticated way. 
It might simply be like one man I said to, uh, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. And I said what that means, and I mentioned my friend's name, I'll say his name was Edward. I said that that means there's no, there's no shades of grey with God. He's not sort of a, a tainted uh, deity. He is absolutely pure and holy. In him is light and there's no darkness at all. And he's black and white when it comes to sin. Now that man took that and two months later he came under conviction of sin and came to the Lord. So uh, just one word can be a help. And we get this in, in a very succinct form for us when uh, we look at what Philip said after the eunuch uh, mentioned the fact that he was interested in a certain portion of the scripture. It says in verse 35, Acts chapter 8, verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at that same scripture, preached unto him Jesus. And those those three things, uh, Neil, mouth, scripture, Jesus. Some um, people leave the mouth bit out. They just dump the scripture and hope people discover Jesus. But back in those days in the book of Acts, where they were very effective at bringing others to Christ, and 300 years from the, from the resurrection of Christ, basically, or from the birth of Christ, uh, the, even the emperor came to to know christ and, and and the nation was changed and the empire was changed so radically because people simply spoke the word of god to others and and explained it to others and and that really rubbed off on many people in a very positive way and i think we're ready to do that again in australia we've come to such a low ebb of personal witness such a low ebb of soul winning we've got to have a resurgence of this and in a prayerful way start to open our mouths and beginning with the scripture tell people about Jesus. Okay, low ebbs in soul winning. Uh, there is a opportunity here. You can share your heartbeat. Uh, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to contribute to our conversation today, talking about strategies, reaching out to your community, a strategy to reach out to the world. Let's come back to this strategy for a moment here, Tony, because uh, we were saying, you know, we've got to know what the job is how to do the job, and then you've got to be able to address those interference issues, those things that are uh, issues with our own character, with our own competence. You've got to be able to address those. Yeah. How do you actually bring that down to a local community? Uh, listeners to our conversation now in all sorts of different communities around the country, uh, yeah. how do you actually get that strategy? I guess you've got to sit down with those three questions and ask the hard questions of your community. Well, look, uh, the, the thing is, what we, what we do, what Bible League has done, and others can do it as well once they're taught, uh, is that uh, we, we go to churches, we will give an inspirational talk on bringing others to Jesus and give many examples. I've touched on a couple of people who have come to Christ and show people that if I can do it, and you've met me, Neil, you know I'm, I'm not um, a, a really good-looking guy. I, you probably beg to differ, but uh, <laughs> I'm not uh, a really fit-looking fellow. Um, uh, I'm just an ordinary bloke. That's not what and, I've been telling everybody. I've been telling you that you're a superstar, an extraordinary man with an incredible physique, great physique, great looks, and uh, a huge well, probably, intelligence. Probably over the radio, <laughs> end, but put me on TV, I'll be a bit of disappointment. <laughs> okay. what, what I'm trying to say is if, if I can do it, and I just sort of bumble along and muddle in my puddle, I think anyone can do it who sets their mind to it. So from a point of view of becoming acquainted with this, we have run quite a number of sessions, and probably about oh, many churches now, since I've been involved with Bible League as the CEO, we've run Bringing Others to Jesus seminars at the local church, uh, done a talk on that to the congregation, and then people have stayed back for a couple of hours to learn how to use the way of life. And that gives them a pretty good start 
uh, in making sure that they're capable of presenting the gospel and then they can start to work on that even further because it's quite proximate to them. But now, not everyone is gifted to be an evangelist, yet everyone can be a soul winner. And I, I mentioned before I got cut off that the story is told in in Book of Kings how a young slave girl was instrumental in the salvation of that great Syrian general, Naaman, who was a great general but nevertheless a leper. And just one little verse, verse 3 of Second Kings chapter 5, is this little girl said to her mistress, would to God my lord, that is Naaman, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And that matter, that one statement that little girl made was taken to Naaman and he took it up upon himself, or the king actually wrote to the king of, uh, of Samaria or Israel, the northern kingdom, uh, to see if the prophet would be available for Naaman to come and see. And of course we know that Naaman not only was healed of his terrible disease, but he became a worshipper of the living God, just because one little girl made one little statement. So we mustn't sort of over-sophisticate ourselves out of existence here. Uh, this is something that anyone can do. A word in the right place will make a difference to somebody. And uh, so... so we uh, were talking about the interference factor. The interference factor tends to melt away the moment uh, we become aware of or we are walking with the Lord. Uh, when I'm saying aware of, I'm talking about there's, there's a sense in which God will encourage us with his presence. If we ask him to be with us, he will be with us. And uh, that's, that's borne out in Paul's experience. It's certainly borne out in my experience that the Lord attends on his word and he watches over it to perform it. Well, in a sense, this is the truth and the foundation is that it's God's mission that we are participating in. And so uh, he's the one who actually causes us to have uh, that courage and that boldness to be able to to do these things, uh, to be able to share this gospel message, which is so transforming of a life. Our special guest this hour is Tony McLennan, the CEO of the Bible League. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316, talking about strategies, reaching out to your community. I wonder what would happen, Tony McLennan, uh, because uh, when we talk about the local church, obviously, uh, you know, you need to cooperate because there are people who win souls and then there are others who are participating in the discipleship of those souls and then raising those uh, people up to maturity and then eventual leadership on, the, on themselves. So uh, there is a sense, isn't there, that uh, that a lot of Christian pastors sometimes feel like the people in their church are not enthusiastic about soul winning. I wonder what would happen if you, uh, as part of a local church, you said to your pastor when you see him on Sunday, uh, let's do some soul winning. Let's learn how to do this. Let's have a strategy to reach our community. What would happen to the pastor? Well, if the pastor actually got on board and started to be a soul winner himself, he would create a soul winning church. Just take Peter Abbott, the um, member of Legislative Assembly. He was actually speaking at our annual dinner last Thursday in Perth at the Nuxton, actually. And he ran a church at, um, he founded a church at, um, in Dandenong. And he took the lead and uh, helped his people learn how to present the gospel. And that church over a five-year period grew from about 250 people to 500 people. Quite a substantial growth. Uh, it was a um, Christian Reformed church. Uh, so uh, it wasn't sort of one with all the bells and whistles of some of the other more avant-garde type churches around such an ordinary church on the corner sort of thing, but because they went out and they engaged with people, they, they followed up on contacts and so forth, 
what I've done is I've developed a critical process, a very simple three-step formula, and that can help the local church immeasurably if they will only do it. In fact, just last year I was called to a church over in the southern beaches of Sydney uh, and uh, spent a year there with the pastor. He'd had a, a very, very ordinary time of it for the 16 years before that. In fact, what had happened, Neil, that uh, he'd locked himself in the sanctuary of his church so no one could interrupt him while he had a good, strong talk with the Lord. And he put his hands up to the Lord and he cried out to God and he said, why isn't it happening here? I've been here for 16 years. And as he was saying that, immediately the phone rang and it just happened to be me on the phone. I was prompted to give him a call and find out how he was getting on. Of course, then he explained everything to me. And we got together, we spent a year, just a little bit over a year together, and he said he's never seen so many people come to Christ in such a short period of time in all of his 17 years of ministry at that church. And here is the dynamic we introduced. The very first thing we did was said we need to set aside time to pray for the lost, both those that attend church and those that are in our community. And we need to pray for them by name, and we need to spend at least an hour a week, or, at le- or not at least an hour a week, or perhaps an hour a fortnight doing that, and very intentionally pray for those people. That's the first thing. So we pray for the lost. The second thing we do is then we go to the person who we're praying for, so assuming these people are in the reasonable geographical reach of us, uh, we will we'll mention to them that, you know, like if I was praying for you, Neil, I'd say, Neil, uh, I, I don't know if you realize it or not, but I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, I know you're one of them. Might be your response. Now, you wouldn't be that unkind. You'd, 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 you'd welcome it, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. But just, just suppose, play acting. Yep. Oh, I know you're one of them. I said, yeah, and I, I guess what, I've been praying for you, Neil. Oh, you don't need to do that. I'm all right. I said, well, you might be all right, but I want to pray intelligently for you, Neil. Is there anything I can pray for you about? And you might say, well, look, my mother's not sleeping that well lately or I need some, you know, some money or my business needs to improve or what have you. And the person will tell you that, that thing and you take it back to your prayer partners and you pray for that person along the lines that they mentioned. And uh, I found very reliably that those prayers have been answered. And sometimes I haven't had to go back to the person who I've been praying for and ask them for their report They've come to me and said, it must be a coincidence, but boy, that $3,000 arrived within a day or two of your praying for it. Or my wife, who was ill for six weeks after we got married, after living together for six years, for the last six weeks she's been terribly ill. As soon as you prayed for her, the fever left her. And I thought, boy, this is, this is something. I think Ian Warby said, this is something you read about in other people's books. Yes. And, uh, and, and so God is very faithful. You know, Jesus had such a heart for the lost. The Son of Man came to... To, to seek and to save that which is lost. Soul's the number one priority as far as God's concerned. So that then, when that answer to prayer comes in, or there's that you've broached the matter of prayer, then you can say to a person, after having connected with them again, uh, look, has anyone ever taken the time or trouble to explain what Jesus is all about? And they might say, well, nobody has, or they might give you a reply. Look, I'd just like to show you something that I feel will give you a clear understanding of it, and then we just present the gospel on the way of life. Or it could be some other means that people have got available to them. And then inevitably I find that some of these people come to Christ. Some balk, but don't worry. People, you can leave it to the Holy Spirit. Just one little story for you. Uh, a father-in-law sent his son-in-law to me recently and uh, to, to, to get some get benefit of some, some coaching on really secular matters. 
And during the conversation, I discovered he, he uh, had no philosophy of life. So I said, look, I'd like to show you something that will give you, help you crystallise your understanding of the things that steer our values. So I went and I, I showed him in, in the Scots Church in Sydney, as a matter of fact, I showed him the way of life from my iPhone. Now, he protested all the way through that he was, a, he was an atheist and he didn't believe in this sort of stuff, but he was happy to listen and happy to see the presentation. We got to those two questions, Neil. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? And when that happened, the Holy Spirit's presence became very real to me at that moment. And guess what, Neil? The Holy Spirit's presence became very real to him, except we had different reactions. For me, I was full of joy. He was full of terror. He, felt, he told me later it felt like he'd just lost his job. That's how bad it felt. And he said it was like the walls of the room were closing in on him, and he felt terrified. And he said, what's happening to me? What's happening to me? I said, it's the Holy Spirit. He's convincing you of sin of the need for righteousness and the judgment to come. He said, what do I do? What do I do? I said, well, just pray this prayer together and invite Jesus into your life, asking to forgive you your sins and you'll be saved. And he did that immediately. This fellow who was 20 minutes earlier, an atheist, had now become a Christian. So that's the sort of thing that will happen as we engage with people presenting the gospel. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you talking through strategies, reaching out with the gospel to your local community. Our special guest this hour, Tony McLennan, the CEO of the Bible League, is with us. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Emmanuel in Perth. Hello, Emmanuel. Hello. Emmanuel, welcome along. What are your thoughts on our discussion today? Yes, I've just been thinking... um I find it a lot easier to uh, minister the homeless and the broken, um, more, uh, well, more so the homeless and marginalised, um, uh, than any other sort of category of, of, of people. Um, how can I then help to minister to not just the homeless, but... Um, person on the street as well. Emmanuel, great questions there. Let's hear from Tony McLennan. Um, uh, Emmanuel finds it easier it is, it is reaching question. out to homeless people. It is a good question, Emmanuel, and you should be encouraged to continue helping uh, reaching out to the two people who are uh, obviously on a different uh, level of, of growth and development in life and uh, the, the poor, in fact. Uh, one of the things is that it's often a result of our own self-image, in a sense, that we will often feel that we can talk to someone in an instructive way who will listen to us because they look up to us. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's not inappropriate. But with, uh, with, with some help from the Holy Spirit, some, some, some courage from him, uh, we can speak to our peers and we can speak to those who are senior to us. Now, those who are senior to us may seem to rebuff us initially. Uh, can I give you an example? Uh, the managing director of my company I actually gave him a, a copy of a Bible uh, to, uh, to read because I saw he had the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying on his top shelf. And he just sort of took my Bible. With, and I got him one that was uh, gold-coloured and uh, thinking that he'd be impressed with that because I knew he was very interested in money and I thought it was like that he might be interested in reading it. But he put it on the bottom shelf and didn't pay any attention to it. But what I did is then my, my family prayed for him over an extended period of time. In fact, I think we prayed for him for five years now, this, this is a, an extreme case, Emmanuel, so you'll know that um, it doesn't necessarily have to be for five years. But we prayed for him that God would save him. And then one day he rang me up and said, 
I've start, decided to go to one of those Alpha courses that you recommended to me, and he had already been saved. You see, so um, sometimes it might be planting a seed in the life of someone more senior than yourself or relating to your friends, but a lot of it has to do with being able to lead in with the question. And there are a number of questions built into the way of life that help you to control, and I use the word control advisedly. We don't want to control people. We don't want to manipulate people. But if you're asking the questions... It gives you a measure of control in that conversation so that you can steer the conversation in the right direction. It's a skill that you can readily pick up from using the way of life. The very first question is, what is the point of life? The second question is, uh, really, what do you think happens when someone dies? The third question is, how do you know whatever you just said is the truth? Or do you believe it's possible there is a God and there is a heaven and hell and somewhere we're meant to relate to God? These things are all written down for you. And when people are looking at your presentation on your iPhone or your Samsung or your smartphone, it takes the pressure off you a lot, Emmanuel. So you can be showing them something, and you might not get very far into the presentation initially. But remember, Emmanuel, everything worth doing is worth doing miserably at least the first few times until you get better at it. Ask any golfer. When they pick up the club, usually they can't even hit the ball when they start out. So uh, you, you've got to be used to a certain degree of failure, but God will even use your failures not only to help you get better, but also reach those other people. As I've said in a couple of instances, I've just used one scripture here or there and people have responded because the Holy Spirit's got hold of them and magnified that in their thinking. They've come under conviction and come to Christ. Emmanuel from Perth, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Our guest is Tony McLennan, CEO of the Bible League. We were mentioning a download or a PDF file that you can access easily. Let me give you the Bible League website. It's www.bl.org.au. You can also get the Way of Life, and there's a revision on the Way of Life, when you simply send an email to info at bl.org.au. Now, we're running out of time here now, Tony, but uh, there's been a huge response to Project Philip. Uh, just quickly, uh, the, the details on P- Project Philip. Yes, uh, Project Philip would consist of a, a Gospel of John uh, where people would be taken through five lessons and inevitably just taking them through the, the Gospel of John uh, using the inductive questions that are built therein, people come to Christ. Then they're presented with a Bible, and then they go through reaching towards the goal, which runs for about 20 lessons. And uh, over that time, uh, people really become embedded on the, on the right path. It's about half a year of studies, if you think about it, Neil. And it's so a very concerted form of engagement. Now, over the years, over just last year, sorry, calendar year 2014, Bible League uh, trained 94,000 people to run Project Philip. That's 94,000 Philips, you might say. And those 94,000 people trained to run Project Philip reached 2,009,000 people. It took them through the whole Project Philip Bible study segment. So you can see the tremendous multiplication factor in that. I think I worked it out. That's something like about 21 people per Philip. Obviously, more in some cases, less in others. It's exciting because the program works and people can uh, access how they could be involved in Project Philip when you go onto the website at www.bl. BL BL stands for Bible League, so www.bl.com 
www.thewayoflife.org.au and uh, just that The Way of Life, that presentation of the gospel, uh, simply send an email to info at bl.org.au. Tony McLennan, the CEO of the Bible League. Uh, Tony, just a pleasure getting your insights today and uh, good to hear about strategies reaching out to your community and to reaching out to the whole world. Thanks for being with us. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.